Yes, yes, back at it for another one. It's the First Fridays podcast with me, your girl, your host, Ali Don, the goddess MC, none other than. And I'm here with acting coach extraordinaire and worship leader Kat Hurston. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm so excited about just speaking things into fruition. You know, I was telling myself for this next podcast, I want to be able to interview a singer, a gospel singer. And interestingly enough, I thought about you because I actually started singing in the church because of you. Aww. Yeah. So we, I think that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we could talk about that a little bit later, but I want to ask you some questions about your work that you've been doing as far as being an acting coach and working with children, working with young people and basically getting them prepared to be a part of the entertainment industry. I think it's important for not only young people, but also their parents who are momagers, dadagers out there managing their children to just give them some information about just recognizing first and foremost, when their child has a gift, how can you tell when a child is gifted? Most of the time you can tell when a child is gifted as far as like entertainment wise is if they if you say stuff like, oh, be quiet, motor mouth or, oh, they like attention or they make you laugh whenever they say and do things constantly well liked or the goofball of the family. Those are typically the type of kids that I like to see and that do really well in entertainment. Well, that's interesting to know. So, so, okay. So what age is the best? Because there have been some controversy about those who put their kids in the limelight in the entertainment industry at a very young age. But, you know, the Bible says, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, they don't depart from it. So it seems like it would be good to set them on a, a nice career path kind of early in life. But what age is the best age to set your child on a path in the entertainment industry? I don't think... Age is the thing to look at. I think it's maturity level. Mm. Um, I've had kids as young as five be in my classes and they've done just fine. And I've had other kids that are five that are extremely shy, you know, when it comes to being on camera. Um, They do well in class, but then when we go to do the camera work, they just don't shine like they normally do. Mm. Whereas other kids might be really, really good. So it just depends on their maturity level. But I would say to always get them involved in classes, just like any other art form, you know, whether it be ballet or dance or anything like that, cheerleading, things like that, you want to encourage them to do things that you think that they will enjoy. Well, that makes sense. Okay, so what are some of the signs to pay attention to? Say a kid is like, hey, I want to act. The parent pays, puts them in this acting class. It's one of those kids that maybe is just not performing when the camera turns on. The kid is really shy. How long should they still give it a shot? Or how long should the parent say, okay, my kid is actually kind of miserable. They're not enjoying this. Let's just go ahead and pull them out. How do you make that distinction? When to push and, and not push so hard? Mm -hmm. I never tell them to pull them out because, first of all, some people know their kid is shy and acting is a great, a great, great way to allow them to express themselves in a way that they may not do at home. So what I find is that some kids, they start shy 
And then once they start to get to know the other kids and they feel like they're in a safe environment and they see that everyone else is learning and growing and being artistically inclined, they come out of that show and they're a totally different person. So I would say if the kid doesn't say they don't want to come anymore to keep them coming to class, because they'll let you know if they don't want to do it, they'll cry and say, I don't want to be here or, you know, don't leave me and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but if they are interested in coming, let them come because art, any art form is a healthy, I would say counsel session, but it's not counseling. It's just, it's a way to emotionally get in tune with something different than what the average person would get in tune with. If that makes sense. It's an art form form that is actually healing and can change your kid's life for the better. So yeah, I mean, that does make sense. And that's also the reason why there have been protests, you know, historically. I mean, even recently, like I'd say maybe within the past 10 or 15 years that there's been a fight to keep art programs in the schools. schools. Yeah. yeah, It's kept a lot of kids out of trouble, especially, you know, when you're looking at young boys who if they're not into sports, they may have a different type of skill set or something different that they want to get into, like whether it be drawing or singing or playing an instrument or performing in theater and stuff like that. You have to let them explore all levels of themselves and of their art forms. And I think it's very important to keep that in school. So I agree. I agree. Now, how do you encourage a kid to seek out opportunities instead of just waiting for opportunities to come to them because I know adults who do this Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they just kind of wait for things to fall into their lap but you know we don't really get as much experience if opportunities are passing us by because we're not knocking on those doors Mm -hmm. so how do you encourage a, a kid a young person to seek those opportunities instead of just waiting for something to come to them Typically, when I have a student that is really talented, I will go to the parent and let them know, like, hey, you know, I think that this person's very talented. You might want to check into, you know, these agencies or I'll tell them, hey, you might want to look at getting better headshots. Sometimes the parents will even reach out to me to get advice on things like that. But first and foremost, the kid has to show that they really enjoy what they're doing. And typically those kids will come up to me and They'll ask me after class, like, how am I doing? You know, I really like this. What can I do to, you know, be better? So it's a combined effort, you know, with the kid expressing that they want to pursue it further than just class. And it has to be a family that supports it because there's a lot of sacrifice in this industry. And that means the parents have to sacrifice their free time as well as the kids because, you know, auditions aren't after school. It's during the day. So. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I mean, speaking of sacrifice, I mean, I was just seeing a, a program the other day, one of the competition shows, and one of the kids that's on there now said that both of her parents left their jobs so that they can manage her career full time. So I thought mm-hmm. that was an interesting sacrifice that they made. Now, so let me ask, what if you have a situation where the kid is very passionate about wanting to move forward, but the parent doesn't believe in it the parents don't support them because I've got a few friends who are teachers and they do sometimes they come across a situation where the parent doesn't seem that invested in their child's interest Mm -hmm. so so what happens in a situation like that if a young person and we've even seen in the entertainment business young people who want to be emancipated at an early age um, when they're when they're actors 
and things of that nature because they want to control their own money they want to control their own careers so what should someone do or what should a kid do if they're really passionate about being in entertainment business but their parents are not supporting them well i mean now this is when the god side comes out of me because you can't you know disobey or go against your parents that can cause a lot of problems in your home so that's that's a conversation that the kid most likely if they're under 18 they should probably have a mediator to speak to the parent on their behalf typically a coach or a school teacher an agent something like that to help that parent understand the magnitude of what could be you know potentially and get the right mentor or support that they would need to pursue that field of work that they're trying to go into but at the end of the day, you know, I can never encourage a kid to go against their parents, you know, because at the end of the day, they're still a child. Yeah. So, you know, and this industry is full of demons and mm. they've got to be prayed up. They've got to have a covering and you've got to have someone in their corner that has the same beliefs and has the same goals that you have for your child so that they can get to the next level without, you know, with minimal, you know, damage. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And it's also good to know that if you are young and your parents aren't supporting you, that you don't have to be alone in the situation where it's just you versus your parents. You can get an ally on your side, like your teacher, your coach, or someone who can, like you said, mediate and talk to your parents on your behalf, just so that they can understand the passion that you have and you are really serious about moving forward. And and hopefully yeah. that works out, just having that ally on your side, having another adult appear of theirs, perhaps, that can talk to your parents to, to get them to see things your way and hopefully compromise. Yeah. So one thing that you just mentioned, that there's a lot of demons, a lot of evil things happening in the entertainment industry. I mean, we've heard this many times. So what do young people and parents need to be mindful of? when they're getting into the entertainment business? Like, what are some of the things that you know that they're probably going to come across and they need to be prepared? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, this is not a Christian environment. Um, It's a very liberal environment where many beliefs are going to be shared, practiced, influenced on their child. They will be asked to compromise whatever beliefs or moral standards that they had growing up. And this is specifically for true Christian-based families, you know, or any any type of religion, I guess, that you're, you know, holding close to, yeah. you know, Muslims or whoever, you know, Jewish people. I don't want to just, like, eliminate people have strong moral values towards certain things. Yeah. And this industry will not embrace that the way they may hope or think it will. Some things can be very subtle, And some things can be very outrageous and you have to be number one grounded in what you believe and what you will do and won't do and stand by that. And so that's, that's the biggest hurdle that all of us in entertainment have to wrestle with every day is the steadfast, unmovable thought process, decision process that you have to have on every turn, every level, because you're going to be tempted. It really is a situation where your integrity is going to be challenged. 
and yes. you might be presented with an opportunity that sounds enticing, but it might jeopardize you morally. And yeah, I mean, as a woman, think about this. I mean, look at all the cases we have going on right now with, you know, people just doing the wrong things towards women and and women are falling for it just to get that fame. You know, they think they're going to be the next missus or the next superstar. So I'll sleep with this guy or I'll run around town with him for months or years in order to get to that next level. And that's not what God called us to do, right? We shouldn't be selling our soul or our body to the, to the devil. And that's for men and women because it's rampant on both sides. It is. It is. I mean, I was actually surprised to see just in the recent R. Kelly trial that there were male victims as well. And that's something that I hadn't heard of until recently. Yeah. I didn't even know about that. So, so both boys and girls, even grown people can become a victim to these predators. And it's important to be aware of these kind of propositions. And it can happen really in in any industry, in any point in life. I remember even models, for example, years ago, there was like one of the early seasons of America's next top model. And the models were sent to do a mission to go on a photo shoot where they had to be nude. And there was a a religious uh, model there and it was against her religious beliefs to be uncovered, to wear certain things. You know, she did not want to be a part of this photo shoot, but she was so concerned. She was breaking down in tears. Everyone who was a part of the shoot were getting really frustrated with her. The photographers were getting frustrated. The director of the shoot were getting frustrated. Their mentors like, hey, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. We brought you all this way. How dare you say no, you don't want to participate. So you're going to get this this backlash and well, and that's why it's important to have management. Yeah, that's why it's important to have a manager. And if you don't have a manager that's a Hollywood manager, you better find an uncle or a cousin or somebody who has some kind of business savvy that can speak for you and look over contracts and look over agreements to make to ensure that your values aren't being compromised in any way in order to make your dreams come true. And that's the sacrifice that Christian people are going to have to make. And that's why it's so important to have more Christian leaders in the entertainment industry Mm. because, and I mean, true Christian leaders, right. Who can understand and recognize like, Hey, this is something that we shouldn't be doing. This is something that we shouldn't be forcing this young lady or this young man to be doing. It's morally not sound, you know? Yeah. Um, And I pray that more leaders, in the industry will be, you know, cognizant of like, these are things that are happening that can mentally mess up someone for the rest of their life because they're doing something that they don't believe in just to make a, a dollar. And it's, it's so sad. Yeah, it really is. And when we were talking before something that you said that was so good, you said you can't be thirsty for fame. Yes. Yes, you can't. I mean, I've had to turn down a lot of opportunities, a lot of trips, a lot of things to remain to what I believe in. And it's like fame is not always what it's cracked up to be. I'd rather work for free and love what I'm doing than to make all this money and be sitting somewhere in a hotel room wanting to commit suicide because my life is damaged or I'm alone and my soul is messed up. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't see the other side of fame and it's yeah. not always that great. I mean, we've lost a lot of great people in the music industry in the I mean even in, in the theater side or movie side you know you see a lot of people who are dealing with depression and 
um, suicide and overdosing and all that stuff because they're rich and famous, but they're not fulfilled and yeah. their spirit is been sold out to the de- to the devil, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no peace in that. So it's better to have peace than to be in chaos. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's so rare, I mean, to have someone who's going to be an advocate on your side in the entertainment business and to speak up for you and say, Hey, you know, we don't want, just like you said, we don't want this young man or this young woman to be doing this. To me, it sounds so far fetched to hear someone in the entertainment industry say something like that on someone's behalf, you know? So, so I, I, I stand in agreement with you. I do certainly hope that there are more Christian or, you know, just more morally sound managers and, and leaders in the entertainment business who can be advocates on the side of young people or those who just want to keep their morals intact and, and, and work without yeah. having to compromise that. That's right. So how do you keep your faith and your goals intact when you're working, let's say in the music industry or in the entertainment industry while you're working with a secular team? Because, you know, we don't accomplish anything on our own. You know, we, we need a team. We need help. If you're working in the studio, you need a sound engineer. You might need songwriters, producers. You might need directors. You know, maybe not everyone is a Christian. Maybe not everyone is subscribes to the same religious beliefs, but you still have to work with everyone. So, mm-hmm. so how can you keep your morals intact and also encourage your collaborators to get on board with your ideas instead mm-hmm. of them just backing down and walking away from you? Well, I mean, what I've learned is that you can't control anyone else. You can only control you. And you have to be the salt of the earth. And which that, what that means is you're going to have to walk alone a lot of times. Wow. If you're really a true Christian, and I'm not saying you're just saying you're a Christian, but you're walking the walk and talking the talk, you're going to have to walk alone a lot. Mm. And you have to be comfortable with being different. You have to be comfortable with people talking about you. You have to be comfortable with saying, no, I'm good. I don't need to, you know, hang out with you guys. No, I, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, I don't get high. Whatever that is, whatever that vice is that people have around you, you have to be comfortable with saying no and being alone and isolated. That's just what it is. You don't have to push your views on anyone, but just be comfortable in your own skin and saying, hey, I'm going to be different because I don't want to go down that path. You know, you have to be a leader, not a follower. Yeah. And the biggest advice is to be friendly with everyone, be open with everyone, because someone will notice that you're different. No matter what things I do or where I'm at, there's always somebody who reminds me that I'm a light. Yes. And that's such an awesome feeling, mm-hmm. um, but it's also an isolating feeling because oftentimes you don't feel like I'm popular or I'm a part of the crew or whatever that is, but mm-hmm. there's always someone who will let you know that they're watching you and that you're a light. And there's always someone watching you, no matter where you go, what you do, what show you're on, what performance you do, um, what stage you're on, what church you sing at, there's someone always watching you not just God, but someone else. Right. And so you always want to live your life as a light to others. Um, and you'll, you'll get friends, you'll get people that will gravitate to you, but just walk in knowing it's, it's going to be a lonely path. And that's when you know you're living the life that you're supposed to live. Cause it's as narrow as the way. 
mm-hmm. narrow it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. That's true. And that's but key. That's, that's not something you just, you know, at 17 or 15 or 18, you just go, oh, I've got to be by myself. i got to ride this road alone. It, it's after you've been knocked down a couple of times, after you've had some heartache and pain, after some man has dogged you and told you, I love you, baby, I'm going to make you this and that. And you realize, oh man, I just got used or whatever that is. It's, it's, it's a process. And yeah. then once you keep praying and asking God to help you, bless you, strengthen you and all that, it's a process that you have to learn that, look, I have to go through this alone and, um, I have to be a light to others. And, uh, you have to be comfortable with that if yeah. you want to live a righteous life, you know? Yeah. And that is key, you know, because oftentimes whenever I go into a setting, you know, I'll pray before I even walk in. Okay. God, allow me to be a light in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons why I even got into this business as a mental health professional in the entertainment industry, because I noticed that there was a gap in the industry. There are so many of my peers, musicians who were talking about how they wish they could have mental health support on their side. And there are artists even now, they're still advocating to have it incorporated as a part of their record labels to have a mental health professional there that can that can be there on their side and advocate for them. So that's one of the reasons why I got into this business just to be a light in that room. It is so key to be able to keep those morals intact and keep your goal intact. You know, oftentimes we talk about our why, like if you want to accomplish a big goal, you talk about why, why are you doing this? You know, and it's so important just to be able to keep that in mind moving forward because being in entertainment, the world can be a little bit hectic. You know, you're going on go or you're going on auditions or you're grinding. Your hus- I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> you're doing a lot and, and you can get caught up in that lifestyle very easily. It's very fast moving. And you can sacrifice to, to do entertainment. It's a lot of sacrifice and you know, I I remember when I was a young at a young age, you know, I had two young children and I had to sacrifice my time away from them a lot to be able to pursue things I wanted to pursue. And, and you sit there and you feel so guilty. You know, there's like that side of you that's like, oh, God, you know, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, you have all these things that go through your head. But, you know, God always provides and God always give you guidance as to if you're doing the right thing and if you're not and you just gotta be willing to sacrifice and if you love what you do that much you would do it for free you know and you've got to have that passion for it that passion to perform that passion to like make people smile or make people cry or whatever that is that you're trying to do you know it it changes your life and it ends up being a ministry for you if you're doing it so that God gets the glory out of what you're doing it's the best feeling in the world Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that it feels like that because it can be tied to your purpose. You know, I remember this is something that Pastor Hosea Collins would say. Oftentimes, if you want to discover your purpose, you have to ask yourself a few questions. And one of those questions is, you know, what is something that I can do very well that other people might struggle with? But to me, it comes so naturally like breathing. And would I do this for free? is one of the questions, you know, if you would do it for free and you're really good at it, then chances are it is tied to your purpose. I mean, if you hate it, I mean, you're, you're really not going to do it for free. You're not going to be inspired to continue to do it. But if something, if it's something that you love, like people would say, you know, if you're doing something that you, you love, you won't work a day in your life. 
You know, you're just mm-hmm. enjoying the experience that you're having. And, and that's why it's so rewarding and it's so fulfilling. You're just doing something that you enjoy. It, it just feeds the, the soul, feeds the spirit. You know, it uplifts you. And I think it adds overall, it adds happiness to your life It's part of having balance in your life, doing things yeah. that you love, having good experiences as well. Yeah. So let me ask you, because you mentioned that you had young kids while you were doing your thing. So what is that like? Because I've seen other artists, for example, they go on tour, they're on the road and even reality stars, they even have scenes where they're trying to explain to their children why they're not at home or why they even Mm -hmm. left the state or why they even left the country and left their Mm -hmm. kid behind. What is, what are those conversations like with your young kids when you're trying to explain, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to be home for a while. What is that like? Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Like, it just depends. <laughs> like, if you love your kids, it's horrible. Um, no, I mean, it's you have to explain to them what you're doing. And to be honest with you, my kids were pretty supportive and they were excited to see stuff I did. I would take them to certain things, you know, if it was appropriate. But yeah, I mean, those are conversations that it depends on your age of your children and when you're going to not be there. You know, I had a good support system with family and friends that were able to watch my children and them not skip a beat as far as like the family environment. You know, I had a babysitter that, you know, was in the home and, you know, I left them in their own environment so they were safe. Everybody doesn't have that luxury. And so I know a lot of women, a lot of women get judged for pursuing their career. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage any woman or man that's a single parent that has a career goal and they're actually trying to fulfill their career goal, you know, God will always make room for your gift and he will always, you know, put the right people and the right things around you so that you can pursue whatever he has called you to do. So you need to make sure that working in entertainment and whatever sector you want to be in is a God-given gift and God's called you to do it. And he will make rooms for your gift. But yeah, those conversations are they're, you know, they're emotional, but they're also good moments out of it. You know, your kids are always excited when you're happy and they, they want to see you happy and they want to see your life fulfilled. You know, that's what I found in my life. And then oftentimes they'll want to get involved as well. So, oh, wow. you know, it just depends on, yeah. you know, your situation, but yeah. 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 I know that could be tough to be away from your kids while you're on the road and, you know, getting them to understand and see the bigger picture. And having those lines of communication are important. Okay, so let me ask. So back to keeping your goals intact and working with a team. Coming from any kind of religious background. Now, I remember you were telling me that you went into the studio to work on some music. And there was a producer who just was not willing to work with you. Just because... He was willing to work with me. He just wasn't Christian. Here's the thing. He... I don't want to name any names right. because that's what I do, but he kind of came to me and was just like, oh, okay, you know, I want to work with you. This is what the, you know, rates will be trying to put me on this ratchet rap type stuff. And I'm like, I'm not a rapper. You know what I mean? Like I want my songs to be able to touch someone. If they're driving the car, I want them to feel the Holy Spirit, not just be bumping and there's no meat and potatoes there, you know? Right. And so sometimes you will get in the studio with people who don't have the same goals or like-mindedness that you have. 
And so I learned from that lesson to interview my producers just like they interview us. Because a lot of times people will take you in, they'll take your money, but that doesn't mean that the anointing's there or that they their goals are the same as yours, which is it should be, oh, I want to touch people, I want to he- help heal people, deliver people from whatever. Their goal may be, hey, I want this to go platinum. I don't really care about the message. Let's just make this pop so that we can, you know, get some of those coins. I'm the opposite. It's like when you bless people, the money will come. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's conflict there sometimes when you meet with producers who just don't have the same goals as you. Another thing that you need to look out for is that if you are in a, a session with someone and there's other people there in the environment and they're getting high or they're all drunk and all these type of things that go on in studios, is that the right environment that God can be glorified in you? in that environment because there's a lot of people that say they're Christian producers and they're not. And that's, that's an interesting point to make sure the atmosphere is right when you're in the studio to record so that the presence of God can flow so that the anointing could be there. That reminds me of another good point. Another question I want to ask you, it's about authentic praise and worship because whenever I listen to, for example, like Christian radio programming, the hosts will sometimes have conversation with their guests about feeling the anointing. Sometimes they'll be playful. They'll be teasing each other. They'll be joking, but they're, they're really serious when they're criticizing singers and they're saying, okay, this is a gospel singer on stage, but I did not feel the anointing. You're, you're moving around, you're dancing. I hear the words, but I'm not feeling the anointing. So, so what is that? So yeah, what does that mean? What is authentic praise and worship? What, what does it mean that, that you have to feel the anointing coming off of you when you're singing or else this might not be authentic praise and worship? Like how does it, a, a singer bring that out? Girl, that's, that's, you know, a matter of someone's opinion. <laughs> um, it really is because you can hear a song and your whole family say they're 60 years old and up. They're like, Ooh, that's too worldly. And you sitting there loving it and it's changing your life. And you, you know, you're, you're feeling it and it's changing your walk. Right. Yeah. Where someone else can hear one of those old James Cleveland songs and just be like, Oh, look, <laughs> this is some good music that you just feel like, Oh my God, I'm about to go to sleep. I'm not feeling nothing. You know? So that's all subjective, I think. But is there power in music? Absolutely. Is there, is there a different feeling you get when someone is speaking and singing the gospel versus just, you know, singing uplifting music? Absolutely. Do I think that this song doesn't, draw me to tears or draw me to start speaking in tongues or something it's not a good song no because if you're singing about love and you're singing about things that are positive god honors that what he doesn't honor is things that are against the word of god right Mm -hmm. and so you're going to get different spirits you're going to get different feelings from different songs so i just think that the songs that are played should be appropriately played in the venues that they're played in yeah (laughs) that's a whole nother subject you know I don't think that secular music should be played in the church because that's bringing in a different spirit that should be removed from the church right Um, yeah I hear you on that in that that sense yes I think that there should be songs that are anointed and that are biblically based songs that are in the church and I'm I see more and more that the churches are playing songs or playing tunes or doing things that just don't honor God. It's honoring more of the worldly type of things. 
and that's that's where I go Ooh, you know it kind of yeah. makes me it bothers me just because you know this is what we do right so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna feel different for us to see and see things that are being done that aren't what we would say godly I yeah. guess yeah um, yeah I mean I, it, yeah, it can be really tough, you know, when you're getting into different church environments and, you know, some people could be critical of what the band is playing. Like, is this jazz music? Wait a second. Why are they playing this? Or mm-hmm. why are they doing a, a remake, you know, remaking a secular song and replacing some words to sound like a Christian song? What do you think about that? Because I've seen that happen, too. Mm, I'm not a fan, but that's not my business. <laughs> like, I'm not a fan just because the spirit attached to it, yeah. it may not be drawing people to Christ, you know? So do I like certain songs? I can't name an artist, but there's certain songs that this specific artist has remade that I, I think is cool, Yeah. but it's not on my, I can't listen to it and feel God's presence in it. I have to fast forward it because I just, I know the song. I know the real song. Yeah. You know, it's different for somebody who may be like 15 or 16. They don't know the other song and they only know it from the lyrics and the music that they're hearing. That's a different, you see what I'm saying, experience that they're going to get than someone who knows, oh, they're playing Outstanding by the Gap or whatever. <laughs> like that's, I'm not going to be thinking about God, right. you know? Um, <laughs> right, that's true. That is true. You are going to so, be thinking about the original song. Yeah, and so for me, I, I'd i rather know that my song was originally and authentically meant for worship and meant for God to get the glory um, than to sugarcoat it or pat it just to win the world. Yeah, that because makes sense. we're again supposed to be the salt of the earth, so we shouldn't be trying to win. Win, we shouldn't lose the Christian people to gain the world. If that makes sense, like it should yeah. be where the world is wanting to know. Wait, why do we have this zeal? Why are these people on fire for Christ? Why are these songs so powerful? Um, and to me, that's when the anointing is there. When people have real experiences, real encounters with God, and they sing about it, and they talk about it, and they walk it. That's, to me, an anointing. And who are we to say someone's not anointed or not? You know, We yeah. don't know what their walk and their struggle is. But I know that when we have a true testimony, and we overcome, and we speak about it, I believe that's that's God's anointing and no matter what form that is in. Yeah. I mean, that just reminds me of when I was singing at church in the young adult ministry where, where we met. Now, you weren't there that day, but there was a song that I was singing. And like you said, it's very subjective, you know, how someone can just feel the anointing or hear it in a song. I was singing a song and someone in the crowd, they they felt it they were feeling the words they were worshiping with me but then later on I heard someone making critical comments about my performance you know like they weren't they weren't feeling it but somebody else definitely was you know so so it is really subjective and and it's important just to be able to know again your why like why are you doing this if if that's authentic then it, it shouldn't really matter what kind of criticism comes or the questioning that comes behind whether your praise is authentic, whether, whether your worship was true and real. Well, yeah. I mean, as a worship leader though, our goal is to, our worship is to God. Yeah. It's really not supposed to be for you or the crowd. Yeah. Our worship is to him. And 
he will do the rest. Yeah. He'll do the rest. Yeah, I like that. So now is a great time to take a quick music break. So upon special requests, so timely and so fitting is Kira Sheard Invisible. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the First Fridays podcast at thegodcollection.com. A total eclipse has just begun. We blocked out the sun. Can't believe this is what we've come to. So you think that you're a star, but the real star has some scars on his hands and feet where the nails went listening to the first Friday's podcast you just heard a throwback song from Kiara Sheard the song is called Invisible we're here with Kat Hurston acting coach worship leader and author now before we took that break we were just talking about praise and worship authentic praise and worship and what that sounds like and even singing before a congregation now when I first 
started singing and again I got to give you credit for that because one day (laughs) one day I was at the young adult ministry and you were singing praise and worship and you offered an invitation if anyone wanted to join the praise and worship team to please come yes and Um, and I honestly I chickened out I was (laughs) I was too afraid and I did not go up there And it was just really heavy on my spirit. Like, I know I want to praise and worship. Like, I know I want to sing. Not only that, you were up there by yourself for a while doing praise and worship. And I'm like, you know, I would love to be able to join her. I was like, I'm just so nervous. I don't know. But it was just my spirit was uneasy. I was just like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something and I'm not fulfilling it. I know like I'm being pulled to do this and I'm just I'm backing out. So the following week. I walked up to you and I said, you know, hey, you gave this invitation. I would love to sing praise and worship. So that's how it all began. My illustrious musical career. So I thank you. Thank God. Absolutely. I thank God. I mean, there was a lot of life changing things that happened in that young adult ministry. And in seeing you there and being able to sing praise and worship with you definitely set my life on a different trajectory that that I didn't see coming. So that was pretty exciting. And that was good. Stuff like that. That that encouraged that right there is the most the best encouragement ever, you know, just to hear that something touched your heart, something changed you and just connecting or meeting me changed your life. Like for the better. That that you know, it feels good to hear because you don't hear that, you know, from anybody. Yeah, I mean, and that's why, that's another reason. You get done worshiping and you're like, all right, let me go home. No one's really into it, whatever, you know. <laughs> and to hear people are like, oh, my God, I loved it or this and that. You're like, it. it's what keeps you going from yeah. day to day. So it's, it's good to hear that kind of stuff. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then even, I mean, the things that you say have, have an impact, you know, very impactful, it, just even subtleties. <laughs> I remember we were in the um, Bible study one time and someone was reading from a certain translation of the Bible. And I even heard you say, mm. <laughs> <When they, they, laughs> I think they were reading from the Amplified Bible or something. <laughs> and you, I think I had something in my throat. They found the wrong type or something. <laughs> you know, I really pay attention. Well, you know what it is? Different versions of Bibles sometimes eliminate a bunch of stuff. You're right. And sometimes add a bunch of stuff. And so you have to be careful that the translation, the original translation doesn't get completely lost. Right. You know? Right. And I'm yeah. glad that you clarified that because sometimes individuals will be pretty critical about which version of the Bible you're reading, but they won't explain why why they're being critical mm-hmm. of the Bible mm-hmm. that you're reading. And, and it's exactly what you said. Sometimes they add things, sometimes they take away things, and then you could end up losing the original message that was written. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense. Okay. And another thing that you said too, that was really impactful. I remember one day you told us all to be abstinent. And then you even said that if you wait, you'll get married sooner. Oh, do you oh, remember when you said you that? that oh, yes, oh, that's what I'm saying. I um, very yeah, we could talk about that. Powerful, powerful words coming oh, yeah, from you. Yeah, we're all Christians, and we, you know, look. Okay, this is what it is. You know, God wants to bless all of us, men and women. And I think that the church 
doesn't talk enough to young people about waiting and the benefits of waiting. All of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. But as we get mature and we walk closer with the Lord, you know, we start to see like, okay, this is what he's trying to set up for us. You know, all the issues that we have in life when it comes to love and relationships and ups and downs and all that, it is oftentimes because we're disobedient to the word of God. And so then we have to face the consequences of that. And once we learn that, and it takes time to learn that, trust me, it takes time to learn that once we get in tune with like, okay, what does God want for me? He will bless you beyond what you could ever think or imagine, you know, if you just hold fast to what he wants for you. Because there's a man that's looking for a righteous woman. There's a there's a woman that's looking for a man that wants to surrender his life to God. And if you want to have that kind of life, you know, a pure life, you know, wait. It's it's okay to tell that that man, even if you've been having sex all year long, if you want God to bless that relationship, it's okay to tell that man, hey, I'm on a path right now that I want to please God. Are you with me? Why not have that conversation? Why are we not being taught that anymore? Why are we not, you know, encouraging men to honor our bodies? Because our bodies are the temple of God, you know, and so is theirs. And men should be saying that to us. They should be saying, hey, girl, don't be hopping on my couch now. You know, my body is God's temple. You know, we laugh about that. But why aren't men saying that? You know, it's because they're not being taught. And so that was a great environment for me to share that because there's so many young people there and so many young people have struggled. We've all struggled, me included, with keeping our legs closed and keeping our life holy. And they need to hear that from somebody. They need somebody to tell them it's okay. And if you've made mistakes in the past, it's okay to start over from this day forth and try to find what God has for you. And I promise you, you will have more than enough choices. You just have to be available and working in the field. And when you're doing that, God will bring and send that person to you, whether you're a man or a woman. Yeah, I agree. We've got, to trust it. We've got to trust it, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what I told myself. I was like, you know what? This is the way God wants me to do it. I have to believe that it's going to work. You know, I have to believe that I can have a righteous relationship. I believe that I can be righteous, have my morals intact that I can be abstinent and date, have some self-control and that I will meet somebody who, who is with it, you know, and it took I think the scary thing though with that is that if you, when you live like that, your relationships go a lot faster. Like most yes. worldly relationships, think about it. People are dating for three to four or five years oh. because they're not living right. Oh, even 15 it, years. Like, I mean, yeah, there's relationships where they live together. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but as soon as you start living right, that thing fast forwards so quickly because you're not focused on sex. You're focused on praying together. You're focused on worshiping together. You're focusing on, okay, what do you like and dislike? What are our goals together? You know, wh- what kind of family life do you want? You're focusing on things that aren't keeping your mind blinded from the other things, which is what are we going to do in the in the field together? What ministry okay. can we do together? What lifestyle can we have together? those conversations get lost because you're so used to having fun going on dates and, and having sex. Yeah. You're already married. You've already, that spiritual soul tie is already there and you haven't even gotten to know where this person lies as far as his relationship with God or her relationship with God. And so if you really, really want to be married, 
then why not not do that? Because the right guy is going to show up. The wrong guy will leave. He will bounce because he's not going to wait. He doesn't want a wholesome woman. He doesn't want marriage. He wants what he wants. But when a guy wants to marry you, he'll wait for you. He will wait for you. Yeah, I agree. And I, I typically go on a crusade to spread the word. And so some, sometimes it's received really well, but sometimes it's like, wait, hold on. Wait, huh? <laughs> Catch- well, it's going to be received by the person that's supposed to receive it. That's right. Nothing that you say is going to be received by someone who's not supposed to receive it. So that's right. if you have a room of 100 people in the room and two people received it, God's pleased. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm thankful for that, <laughs> for for those who who do get that message and they agree, they stand in agreement with what they're saying and, and they know it to be true. I know it to be true um, because it totally worked in my favor and I felt good. I felt good even when I was being dumb. So let's just keep it real. So when you're dating and you say, even your example, say you've been having sex with your partner for a year And then you tell your partner, hey, I want to be abstinent. I don't like the way I'm living. I'm not feeling right. I know God wants me to do this. I've got to do this. And Mm -hmm. your partner is like, nah, I'm not with it. (laughs) They they might leave. And just like you said, they go kind of fast. You know, they're not going to stick around for long. You know, they're going to bounce. But isn't that what you want? That is what you want. Absolutely. For every rejection, there is direction. Hold on, say that again. For every rejection, there is direction because that's not the door you're supposed to go down. If this person is not in in line with the word of God and they don't want to know God and they don't want to do things God's way, is that who you want to be the leader of your home? We're supposed to submit to God and then submit to our husband. So is that the type of husband you want? Someone who doesn't submit to God's word? I mean, that's how you have to look at it at the end of the day. And that that means from 18 years old all the way up to 50. That's how we're supposed to be designed. We're supposed to submit ourselves to our husbands. And we're all supposed to be in submission to God. So if he's telling you in your face that he's against what the Bible says, that, I mean, that's that's direction for you. Right. Absolutely. You want to go want a holy life you know I mean no one's going to be perfect but there's just basic things that you know as Christian people we should just look at and say okay wait a minute you know what am I doing here I remember there was a time I got dumped (laughs) when I hit somebody with the uh no I don't have sex I'm abstinent and they were like pressuring me having conversation after conversation I mean they just would not back down they are really trying to encourage me to just go along with their way the way they want things and I had to you know they wanted me to compromise and I had to ask them and ask myself compromise for what what am, what am I getting from compromising to what you want me to do like what guarantees are you able to give me for doing something that I really don't want to do for you why am I doing this for you you know I'll tell you something my grandma told me long time ago and I tell people this all the time she said if someone will sin with you, they'll sin against you. That's right. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. So, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, not all men or women are bad. They just yeah. have to be taught. And That's if someone's true. open to change their life, because we all have been there where we weren't right with God and we had to get there. So you have to also look at the person and say, okay, are they willing to get there? Yeah. And so that means you start worshiping together. You start reading the Bible together. And as you worship together outside of church, and you pray together, you know, 
God will guide and lead him the right way or he'll run yeah. and vice versa with with men. If you are with a woman and you're wanting to pray with her every night before she goes to bed and you're wanting to worship with her outside of church and in church and she runs from it, she repels from it, then those are your signs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what you should be focusing on. Can I, what's going to happen when we go through hard times? Are you going to be there for me or are you going to run? Because sex is, I mean, that's 10, 15 minutes. What about, you know, a lifetime? Exactly. Exactly. And it can be a struggle too on both sides. Like you said, even for men who want to be abstinent, they want to honor their bodies for God and they date women who they don't get it. The women don't understand and they are accusing them. Oh, you must be getting it from somewhere else or or, yeah, they just, they, they don't understand. But then there's even some women who are even intimidated by a godly man and they don't feel like they're good enough or even worthy to date. A godly man mm-hmm. so that's an interesting dynamic too so it does happen to both men and women who want to honor their bodies for christ and be abstinent while they're dating there are some challenges but there are some righteous few out there they are available and they are looking for you and they want to yeah. have a, a righteous relationship yeah and i say good luck in the entertainment industry because <laughs> All these fine men all over the place. Lord Jesus, keep oh me. Oh, my gosh. Um, beautiful women everywhere. You know, you got to yeah. really be prayed up. It's, you do. It's, you know, who knows how to. Prayed up and be strong. How to throw things at you. Yeah, I know. Sure. I know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, so before we go, I do want to ask you about the books that you've published. I want to talk about this because oftentimes, you know, us creative types you know we dabble in a lot of different things Mm -hmm. as far as creativity and Mm -hmm. there might be some folks who are interested in publishing their first book I actually had a friend who was in a singing group and later on he started writing and self-published his own book so it is kind of common for us to just kind of get in our hands and in other kind of creative spaces so what encouraged you to want to start writing a book and what was that publishing experience like yeah uh, my first book my something to talk about you can get it anywhere by the way Barnes and Nobles Amazon everywhere but my something to talk about was basically just a bunch of poetry experiences that I went through from like age 18 till I won't say till what age but a long <laughs> time and I just said you know what I want to share my thoughts and my experiences my triumphs and all that with everybody maybe it'll bless somebody you know and so I put everything together and published that and you know I've been able to go all around the United States to promote it and I've been on some radio shows to promote it and never thought that you know it would be that big of a deal it was just something that I wanted to do for myself to know that like I left something behind for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to be able to have a little glimpse of my life so it's a really good a lot of people call it a self-help book I just thought it was poetry but it talks about spirituality it talks about relationship it talks about love it talks about the growing pains of being a woman and being someone's daughter and you know just everything it's it's a lot of good juicy stuff in there mm-hmm. now my second book yes um, not too late listen learn and do is a book that is designed to help young people from age 16 to all the way to seniors it's so it's broken down by a series of chapters that 
go through the trials and triumphs that you're going to go through during that age or that period of time in your life. So I talk about the do's and don't do's during your high school years and during your college years. And then I talk about, you know, the crazy 20s and 30s and the things that we need to be making decisions on during those times. And then I talk about the crazy 40s. And so every period of our life, there are milestones that we need to probably be looking at, taking care of, making decisions on so that we can have a life that is full of dignity. I share a lot of stuff about retirement. I share a lot about wealth building. It's a lot of good life learn learn lessons that us as a community don't really share with our children or our, our grandchildren. And sometimes our grandparents don't share with us. And yeah. so I try to write something that will educate people in different areas of their life, whether it be you're getting married or you're getting or you're divorced and you're single, you're in college or you don't want to go to college. You know, I've been through it all, um, how to build wealth, how to become a millionaire. Um, and it's not about having a million dollars in the bank. It's about having properties and building your wealth. So there's a lot of fun stuff in there. I won't give it away, but yeah. it's a lot in there to unpack. And it sounds like a really great a handbook, playbook. a great playbook it to is. navigate throughout life, through each it period is. of life. It is. It is. So yeah. it'll be out hopefully um, next year. I wanted to wait because it's, COVID and I want to be able to do, you know, the whole book circuit. And it's hard to do that when yeah. you can't really have book signings and stuff like that. So I'm praying that it'll be available to everybody in 2022. And I love that too. It's not too late. Listen, learn and do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I wanted to say too earlier when we were just talking about being a young person or even being grown and you want to follow your passion to be a part of the music industry. It's never too late. It's never too late. I talk about that too. One chapter is called Bounce Back. Mm. And it's for everybody who thinks that it's too late to do all the things that you wanted to do. And that's my favorite chapter, Bounce Back, because that, that was my ministry to me, you know? Wow. Because um, you can always bounce back. If you're 60, 70, 50, 40, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can start anew and you can still pursue everything that you wanted to do. Absolutely. Just have a bounce back spirit. Absolutely. Have a bounce back spirit. It's not too late. Listen, learn, do. Kat Hurston, thank you so very much for joining me today. I feel like we can talk about so many things for so long. This was a great conversation. I'm so thankful that you joined us for the podcast. Thank you for having me. You got me all emotional. I was like, oh, God, I'm getting choked up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I appreciate you so much. So my something to talk about is available right now. Yes. On all platforms where you can buy your books. Yes. The second book is coming soon. It's not too late. Listen, learn, do. And I can't yeah. wait to see it. So thank you so much. And that does it for another episode of the First Fridays podcast. So we out. Bye. Bye.